I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. It's like this extreme self-doubt of your abilities, your skills, your strengths. And then it's this idea that others are going to think that you're a fraud, that you don't belong. When in reality, when we're doing anything new, we're going to probably feel that way. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Katie Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation, episode 66. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening? We would love to know what you think. For today's episode, we're really honing in on that confidence piece that we talk about when we're creating content with confidence. And that is how to conquer imposter syndrome, which let's face it, we all have those niggling little moments where we think, are we good enough? You know, are we actually the real deal? Um, But before we get into that deep, deep dive that we're about to take, what are you drinking today, Jesse? Per usual, I'm going back with a staple of mine, the Down East Cider. Can't really mm. go wrong with that. If anybody has not had it, I mean, it's a big thing here in New England. Yeah. And this is not sponsored. Maybe we need to get them to sponsor yes. this podcast. But it is, it so. is so, it's so yummy. It's so good. No, it is. And I'm, I'm having another one of those um, Moscow Mule ciders from Birds of Paradise because you haven't come over yet. I know. Clean my fridge out and help them out. Well, working on it. I got a couple more. So we could just, you know, sit and discuss stuff and grab one of those out of the fridge. Mm -hmm. So, well, Mm -hmm. okay. As I said, we're going to take this deep dive into imposter syndrome. And we have a great guest with us today, Dr. Kelly Vincent. She's going to share with us why we go through it and how maybe we can put that to rest. Dr. Kelly Vincent is a licensed clinical psychologist based in San Diego, California, and owner of Nourished Wellness Group, a holistic mental health wellness collective. She works predominantly with women who are struggling with anxiety, imposter syndrome, life transitions, relationship struggles, low self-esteem, and trauma. And I think that we all fit underneath one of those, at least, umbrellas. So more specifically, she works with many mamas along with female business owners. She's been featured in Vanity Fair, Pop Sugar, and Forbes. Today, we're going to zero in on how we can combat imposter syndrome. Dr. Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Now, first off, this is cocktails and content creation. So we must, this might not necessarily be the most healthy thing mentally, (laughs) um, but we must start off with what are you drinking? Okay. Well, it's 9am before a long day of session. So I have ice water. So definitely not super exciting, but um, yes, more appropriate for for the day. (laughs) More appropriate for the work kind of work that you're Mm -hmm. going to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Well, now we've got that out of the way. So now let's get into a brief intro of who you are, your journey, and what it is you do. We got to talk to you a little bit before we got on here, but you have quite the story. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So, so I, um, let's see. So I'm a life psychologist, like you said, um, I actually was in a very different career prior. Um, so I undergrad, I majored in business marketing and then I went straight into kind of, um, project management type stuff for websites and content creation and um, social media was at its like infancy when I, you know, got out of college and started working in that space. Like we were doing like Facebook ads that remember when Facebook had the tabs, the campaign tab. Um, So I was doing like social work, whatever, um, social media work. Um, But around like 25 ish, I had what I call a quarter life crisis 
and decided that's not what I want to do. This doesn't feel fulfilling. Um, I can't imagine continuing to do this type of work. Um, just didn't resonate. And uh, psychology, I think like most people is just fascinating. I've always been so interested in how people like why they think the things they do, why they do the things that they do. I was the type, the teenager that was on the phone for hours talking to my friends about whatever issue was going you know, on in their life and my life, like big talker, big externalizer. Anyway, so when I kind of had that moment around 25, it was like, okay, what, what resonates? What, what feels like, why, what am I drawn to? And therapy again, this, I think this was a sign from the universe or something. I had no, I was in therapy when I was a little kid. Um, but other than that, had no therapy as an adult. Like it was just something that I'm like, I think I meant to do that. I think there's something about that. So I started looking into it. I started to volunteer in different sort of mental health organizations. Like for about a year, it was a lot of like exploration just to like make sure. Um, and then I just jumped in and went back to school, decided to get my doctorate, just kind of wanted to do the whole thing. Um, and then, yeah, it's just sort of transpired from there. So now I have my own private practice, which is now turning into a group practice, like as of like next week. Um, and so the topic of imposter syndrome is actually very intertwined with that story because talk about feeling like a fraud, um, mm -hmm. going into the first day, it's such a vivid memory first day of, um, it was like an intro to psych class. It was like so basic. And I just was like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. They're going to find out that like I'm an absolute, you know, fraud or I shouldn't be here because I had this business background that had nothing to do with psychology. Um, and I felt like that pretty much all throughout. And then I had um, a very close relationship with one of my professors who also was my chair for my dissertation. So we worked very close together. She brought up the term imposter syndrome. And I said, yes. That's exactly how I feel. Um, and not that it went away, but she was able to like label it and name it for me. And it was like, oh my gosh, that, that's that's really, you know. And at the time she's like, trust me, your business background, everything that you've already done is going to serve you, which is hilarious because it's come totally full circle as it relates to like, you know, being a, a psychologist on Instagram and, you know, building up different sort of passive income as it relates to e-courses and all the things that I've like done, it's completely served me because I have some knowledge in that. Um, so, but yes, it, it, it's been a thing um, ever since day one and it still comes up to this day. So, but yeah, so now, you know, I work with a lot of women, like you said, um, you know, struggling with, with trauma, um, but a lot of anxiety and essentially like imposter syndrome is, is kind of under the umbrella of anxiety in a way, or it's how I conceptualize it. So, um, yeah, a lot of women navigating that, um, along with depression and self-esteem and, you know, you know, life things. <laughs> yeah. It makes total sense then that you would use Instagram to share that information. Cause I didn't know you had that, that background when we were, when we were first kind of coming up with these, these questions that we were going to be asking you. Well, it does you, make sense just looking at your Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're so, you are so talented when it comes to coming up with how to get that information oh, out yeah. to people, yeah. you know, yeah. why, why do you, why do you think Instagram is such a great platform for it's funny because Instagram, so many people think of it as, as, as hurtful to mental health. Why do you think it's actually a good platform for you to share this yeah. information. Yeah. It's been, it's been a journey with the good old Graham. Um, <laughs> the reason I went on there, I think I was in my postdoc year and I was just so antsy. I had a lot of that, you know, high functioning anxiety energy in me. I wanted to kind of 
channel this feeling of control, like in the sense of like wanting to kind of, you know, get started. Like I was so eager to get started because, you know, it was my second career. Like I was just so ready. And, you know, the process of grad school is quite long. So I started that account just, just for something creative to do on the side, um, just to like, you know, and also the mental health advocacy piece. Like I thought I was like, okay, this could be really cool. Like I, I focus an account on, um, you know, give providing psychoeducation with topics that I knew nothing about growing up or anything. Um, because more people should know this stuff. Like, right. We should be taught this. There should be classes. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole nother podcast that we could probably talk about. But, um, so yeah, it, it started off as just sort of a, like, thing, you know, just to kind of do on the side. And at the time there was therapists on there, but there were not, not like it is even today. Um, so as it's grown, it's been able to be sort of a source of being able to help provide information to people, help make therapy normal, help modernize it, help put a face to a name, right? Like I think therapy has always been so much in the shadows, and you only go when you have a serious problem. But in reality, it's just like physical health. It's like, why wouldn't you go preventatively? Why don't you go for your wellness check, but for your heart and your mind, right? So um, it was another way for me to kind of demystify or destigmatize the experience of therapy and, and what therapists are like. Um, so then it just started to kind of roll into a, a, a thing. Um, and so, yeah, I think for mental health, I mean, there, there's it's a double-edged sword. I think it's pros and cons. I think it's super helpful for people to get access to information that they maybe normally wouldn't have, or if they're, um, you know, financially, it, it, it's not a possibility to go to therapy for whatever reason, or, or you're a kid and, and, you know, your parents don't believe in it or whatever. Um, Instagram can be very, very helpful to get that information to people, you know, to the masses. Um, and, uh, because there's so many therapists on there now, there's so much content on there now. There's a lot of other people putting out mental health related content that might not be trained necessarily in mental health. That's where it gets a little, you know, what's right, what's true. Um, and then labeling yourself that kind of also gets a little hairy. Um, but nonetheless, I think just getting information out there for people to digest and then explore on their own, um, you know, never take anything face value, but like just, oh, that concept resonates with me. Maybe I want to kind of go explore that a little bit more and, and, you know, finally see a therapist, right? So encouraging people to kind of look inward, I think is another sort of amazing part of, of Instagram. Um, but yes, pros and cons, right? Consumption, usage, got to be in check with that, boundaries. Um, but yeah, I found it super, super helpful. And most of my clients, which this was not intended at all, it was not like I did not jump on there for a marketing tool really at all, but I get probably... 70% of my referrals that are that are totally in line with who I want to see come from Instagram or have found me through Instagram, which is wild to think about. But um, so it actually has turned into a marketing tool uh, for me. So yeah. The graphics that you use, can you just talk a little bit about that? I think a lot of our listeners are so used to being told like show up, you know, as you know, show up as your person, but like just quickly scrolling through your Instagram, you, you're mainly leveraging these, these infographics and uh, characters versus like, you know, your face. Yeah. Yeah. So I also, you know, because it's a therapy account, um, the focus and intention is on mental health related content. So, and I'm also very, um, because I, you know, nowadays I, I know clients follow, right. They thought they found me there. So I'm also very, um, 
boundary, if you will, as it relates to my personal life, right? Because then there, you know, clients come in, right? I just don't want any sort of anything to kind of ethically get a little hairy. Um, but what's so funny with the infographics is back in the day, you know, when you know, a ha- handful of years ago, um, not that long ago, the graphics were the norm as it related to my space, right? So that, you know, you have the whole kind of um, more blogging, I don't even know what they're called anymore, uh, but people that do sort of like the images with their outfits and things like that, more more of them and their life. But with like therapists, like the graphics were like the thing. Um, and now it's turned into like videos and all the things I can't even keep up. Um, so, so graphics were always my just like go-to way to communicate about a topic and um, communicate in a very like succinct way inside of a bite-sizable way. So I still do it because I still think they they resonate. Um, but that's how the account grew is then those graphics get shared. Um but yeah, I don't, I show my face like in stories and stuff when I'm talking about a topic. Um, but it's, it's, it's all often always sort of mental health related. Um, I mean, you may see the background of my house when I do a reel or something like that, but I try to keep it very like separate. And again, that's just the work I do. Um, but I know with Instagram, it can be very different depending on, um, what your industry is and what, what you're doing. Right. So if you're, you're a cook or you're a chef or, you know, you're into food or something. Sometimes that, you know, having more of that lifestyle piece on Instagram makes more sense because then they get to know you in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, as a therapist, I think, you know, I, I believe that they get to know you as a therapist versus yes, as a person, yes, I do share, you know, and, and small disclosures about me and a hu- as a human. Um, I think that's totally appropriate. And I think it's helpful to kind of modernize um, the whole experience of therapy. But yeah, I, I kind of, I'm very careful about what I, what I share personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes sense. Does that answer your question? Totally makes sense. Yeah. Totally well, makes sense. And I think those graphics are so helpful because they make it very digestible. Yeah. The bite size meant that you mentioned. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's wild. The things that resonate, like I I just posted one about just the, the idea or the power of, and right. You can hold space for two different feelings. Like you can be angry at your parents and hurt about how they, how they parented you and you can still love them. Right. So, but that graphic when 23,000 likes. Yeah. It's and then wow. you realize what resonates with people. And I think um, it, it gives you a good indicator of um, sort of what, you know, what they're interested in or, or what's helpful to them. Right. So, yeah, it, but, it, you know, do you a lot all of these people graphics? feel that way? <laughs> side, side question, um, because we all we like to make things easy for our listeners, especially when it comes directly to content creation. Do yeah. you create these graphics yourself or do you have a team member now? No, I, I create them all. I had an assistant for a hot minute. Um, (laughs) she was great. She was amazing. Um, she actually just had too much on her plate. Um, and she helped me a lot with like email stuff, like, but she, I mean, she created a few graphics for me. I've definitely, um, you know, a little self-disclosure, a little control <laughs> issues, um, <laughs> branding and, and content. And like, I just wanted to be really authentic. I just have really high standards. Um, you know, hence, yeah. Um, you could go, go to town with that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I've done them myself ever since kind of day one. Um, but I will say, you know, and I'm sure you guys know, and all your listeners know very well, Canva and, and the different yep. resources to use, like Canva makes it very easy, right? Yes. So the way that I have done it is I have my branding colors and I have different sort of templates and I just, 
pull up an old template, tweak it a bit, change it out, you know, maybe change a font or something, or I kind of keep the fonts consistent too, to make that easy. So a lot of it is just sort of swapping things out and it's not kind of starting from scratch. So it may look like, oh my gosh, she spends so much time. I don't, um, I might, I might take a template that Canva already has and then tweak that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and to me, that's the stuff I kind of like. It's, it's almost like, it's like mindless, just zoning Your in. creative outlet. Yeah. Like it, it actually, like I, I enjoy it. Whereas I think a lot of therapists don't, that's like not their, not their, um, thing. Um, and I definitely like aesthetics and, you know, things like that. So I think it's just like, like a little part of my different part of my right side of the brain to kind of be able to tap into. So but it uh, looks fabulous. I mean, it looks like you have a professional designer or um, graphic artist in there. So no, it's Canva. That, that's, that's we friend. love Canva. We, and we love easy. We love reusing stuff. That is amazing. I was going to say, and then you also figure out what resonates, right? Like you're always mm. kind of taking inventory. And again, the goal is not for me. The goal is not like more followers, more followers. That That's not the goal. Um, obviously it's like fun to see your account grow and then the work you're putting into it. But like, um, I think kind of checking and noticing the analytics part of things, like what, what is resonating? Like, was it the, the, the style of the graphic? Was it the content? Right. And you start to pick up on, you know, those things, imposter syndrome, like content wise is always popped. Um, high functioning anxiety has always popped. So there, there's different things that you can notice that it's like, oh, there's so many people that gravitate towards that. Um, and then I've noticed there's certain graphics that people resonate with. And of course, it's the small, like our attention spans are this big because of the world we live in. And then Instagram is making it even harder because now it's throwing out all these very like short, entertaining situation where like you're to, to grab attention of someone is like, that's, that's the hard part. Within um, a half a second, you got to get it. Like literally, it has to be something very, very um, catchy in a way um, for them to stop scrolling and read through it. So that part I think is important too, is just figuring out what your community is interested in um, and then kind of building from there. Or at least that's kind of the strategy I've used. And it's working. It's working. Now, you mentioned that you had an, a, a teacher mentioned to you imposter syndrome when you were in school. So I feel like imposter syndrome has only become like a a term used in polite society or whatever in the last couple of years. Um, What is it? And what are like when it comes to, you know, your definition as a professional in the business, what is it kind of, what are the symptoms that we should be looking for and why is it happening? Yeah. I do think Instagram has helped put that term out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I hate actually the syndrome part because it's not a syndrome. It's more an experience. So I like to say the imposter experience, but it actually has been around since the seventies. Um, these two researchers, Pauline Climes, um, and, uh, I don't know their names. It doesn't matter. Um, but they, they worked with a ton of women. Um, and they were, it was sort of like a very kind of informal sort of study. They were essentially collecting anecdotal information based on these, this group of women. And these, this group of women were like, super successful accolades for days. Like, you know, you would look at them from the outside and be like, they got it. They, 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 they know what to do kind of thing. Um, but they started to notice a theme with these women, women, and I forget what the sample size was, but it was pretty, pretty decently, uh, large where they were having the same types of feelings, the same types of thoughts. So this idea of imposter syndrome. And so that then created sort of this idea of like this imposter, they called it the imposter phenomenon. Um, and so they kind of started sort of 
naming and coining it that. And then later there was research where um, it highlighted that it doesn't discriminate. It's not just women. It's definitely men and different different populations of all kinds. Um, predominantly, you see it more in women, but I think that also could be a societal thing, which we could talk about that. But um, but yeah, they essentially sort of um, the idea of it is that you fail to internalize your own successes. It's almost as if when you, um, you know, you do something like say you're asked to do a presentation at work or, or something like that. Um, the anxiety starts to increase like, oh gosh, like I have to, you know, I have to do this right. I have to do this perfect. Maybe you overwork or maybe you procrastinate for a while, whatever. But like, there's a lot of anxiety that gets, you know, um, infiltrated into the experience and you start to think like, I can't do this. Like I, I, you know, they're going to think I'm a fraud. I don't know what I'm doing. Someone could do it better. Right. You, so you just doubt yourself. It's a lot of self doubt. It's a lot of fear that others are going to, um, see you as something different, not think that you're, you're capable. Um, and then usually you do the thing and then you get praise for it or people acknowledge, Oh no, that was really good. That was really helpful. And it's almost as if it just bounces right off of you. So that's what I mean by like, it doesn't internalize. So you don't think like, yeah, I had the skills to do that. I was able to accomplish that. Yay for me. Right. So it's, it's this, it's, it's twofold. It's like this extreme self-doubt that, um, of your abilities, your skills, your strengths. And then it's this idea that others are going to think that you're a fraud, um, that you don't belong. Um, when in reality, when we're doing anything new, um, or anything feels a little bit out of our comfort zone, we're going to probably feel that way. So it's almost part of the normal human experience to feel that way. Um, but we, but we act as if it's us like, oh, it's, it's only us. We're, we're, we're the only people that feel that way when it's just, it's just part of learning. Um, I think it's also, um, you know, with imposter syndrome, a big piece of it is around how we view failure and how we view kind of the experience of failure. Um, I think a lot of us have this idea, we fail, we're bad, or we fail, we're not good enough, or we, whatever it is. But in reality, failure is part of the process. Um, so I think that gets wrapped up in this idea of feeling like an imposter. It's like, this, and also perfectionism, that's a big piece of imposter syndrome, right? Like if it's not perfect or if we don't know everything, um, then, then we're a fraud. Um, so yeah, a lot of self-doubt is, is one of the main piece, pieces. Now you said that women seem to be more likely to suffer or to deal with imposter syndrome. And you said it's societal, you think? Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, so let's like, take a, like, think about the way men show up and I'm just going to use men and women, right? There's all different genders right now, right. but let's just, you know, I should say um, women or women, people who identify maybe yeah, as women. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think like if we, if we think about men in business, right, we all have things that come to mind, right? Like we, you know, um, if they're super assertive, right. They're, they're more, you know, that that's not a thing, but if a woman's super assertive, they're bossy. Right. So the way that I think women are viewed in business over centuries, it's getting better. Um, but there there's those components too. So like, for instance, think of a woman that's in a, a more male dominated industry. Um, maybe, um, I don't know, like uh, biotech or something like that. It's almost innate that she might feel like an imposter in a way because because 
it's, it's her, you know, it's, it's rare that a, a female is in that industry. So that's what I mean by society. I think there's gender norms, um, that get thrown in there, um, that sometimes can kind of create that feeling of it being an imposter. However, men can feel it too. I also think when it comes to race and ethnicity, you can feel like an imposter if that's something that, you know, you're in a predominantly white, um, company and and you don't identify or you're not white um that can make you feel that sense of imposter in a way so that's what i mean kind of like there's other components that come into play um i also think women um there's this this and i don't know this might be not accurate to say um that's not accurate to say but you know there there's there's an idea where women i think um you know, their sense of self and how they present and, and men do too. But I think there's a, there's an element there, right? Like, you know, we're, you know, the way that we're raised, I think influences it, the way that our family systems work can influence it. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're raised as being just sort of like this boss babe that means business, then, then maybe imposter syndrome is not a thing, but a lot of people aren't necessarily raised like that. Right. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense. No, it, it does. totally does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that answers and sort of clarifies like, okay, like there's a lot of things that go into it and perhaps just, you know, between societal norms and what we see. And I mean, also, I think just the way our our world has evolved to be like so accessible that like we're mm. constantly like being fed information and fed certain views. And we all yeah. know that certain things show up on digital platforms as a result of an algorithm, as a result of whatever. So certain things that we may not even realize are influencing our view of the world are influencing our view right. of the world. And let's just talk about comparison, right? Oh God. On, on good old social media often, and just in general, right? We often see the success stories. We often see sort of the end result of, of a person when we, we don't see all of the other steps, right? They're yeah. not showing and, and just letting it all out of when they experience imposter. And sometimes they'll, you know, there's interviews. I think it was, um, Meryl Streep. Uh, she talked about like, right. Like everyone's like, Oh my gosh, she would never feel impossible. Like an I imposter. love her. Yeah. And she has a quote, I forget, you know, exactly what she said, but it was along the lines of like, why would anyone want to come see my stuff? Like I, I'm not good at this. Right. So it's like, even people that we think, you know, have mastered whatever it is that their, you know, their field is in, um, don't right. Like mm -hmm. we're all human. So I think the comparison piece and thinking like, Oh, that person made it. She, I mean, people might, you know, a young therapist who just graduates might look at my account and be like, Oh my gosh, she like knows what she's talking about. She, she says it really eloquently, which I don't half the time. <laughs> um, but in reality, it's like, no, I've been riddled with, with doubt and worry and not good enoughness stuff. Um, so we, we tend to all experience the same thing, but we view it in such a highlight reel or yeah. such a very tunneled vision way that then it then internalizes more in us like oh okay You're like I need to be better I need to be more you know this or more that or I need more training or whatever it is um so yeah, you think that um that comparison is more likely for entrepreneurs and those that are building their business online like especially thinking like yeah like oh this person did it before me now it's not even worth it or yeah. i am in the same niche as this person and why can i have the same number of followers like do you think that, i mean i feel like it's an obvious answer yes but yeah. I don't yeah. know if you have anything to add to that. She might be able to break it down. Your listeners can't see me, but I'm doing a massive head nod. Yes. And I think like, I think there's another component too with um, how 
businesses have changed, especially in the last few years as it relates to social media. I mean, so many people have, have been able to create businesses, small businesses, yeah. um, moms, you know, working with from home with their kids, right, have been creating businesses because of social media. So yes, I think there there's the landscape has changed. Um, yeah. Just yeah. I'm one of those moms. Yeah. That has started a business on social media because of, because of, you know, because I'm home yeah. and especially with the pandemic, what else is there to do? Um, I also, you know, you also have to think about the fact that what you're using to get the message out about imposter syndrome and high functioning anxiety and other, you know, mental issues that we're all, we all are seem to be dealing with. It's also kind of exaggerated those issues, because if you think about it, the highlights real, like when we would see a perfect body or a perfect life, it would be in a magazine or maybe on the news or something. Now we're just inundated with it because we can open up our phone and we scroll through Instagram and we're constantly seeing these, these life highlights. Well, to that point though, I've recently been seeing a good trend. So I waste way too much time on social media, especially TikTok. I don't post on TikTok, but I am an avid scroller because some of the stuff people are creating is just super entertaining and some very valuable Excel tips. Hello. Um, But on TikTok, there's been this like normalizing trend where people want to, there's been, you know, people wanting to normalize entrepreneur life. Like it's not the glitz and the glamour and you're sitting on a beautiful cliff in a sunset with your laptop. It's not that 24 seven for, for 90% of us. That's not what it is. It's sitting behind your computer in a tiny office with one window for 50 hours a week. And, you know, hoping that you can make enough money that you did at your corporate job where that also was soul sucking. Um, so I'm hoping that the, the, these like normalizing trends continue because to your point, it's like, we're seeing that highlight real. And we all know, we all know it's fake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that we need that reality check. Yeah. It's hard because you, you view it. And yeah, especially if you're a small business and then you see someone and I'm sure you're following other people that are doing something similar, right? Like for various reasons and you take in sort of whatever it is they're posting and think like, Oh, I got to do that. Or I should be doing this or, um, you know, oh, that, that, that makes so much sense. Like, why didn't I think of that? Right. Like then it's just that like flood of comparison. And then that imposter syndrome and that anxiety starts to kick into gear of like, oh, I didn't think of that. So I must not be good at this. Or I must, I stink at this. Or there's so much better. Right. When in reality, like everyone offers their own unique spin, right. Because you are the only you, um, and, and you have, it's this idea of like, no one can do what you do. Yes, you might be selling similar to to your, you know, who you follow, but you're selling it different because you're you, right? But we we forget that. We forget this. I we we tend to like think that you know we should be more like them because they're successful. But it's like, well, no, right. they're successful in their own lane, right? Your lane is your own lane, and nobody else can can create that lane. Only you. So it's 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 remembering that piece, um, which is hard, which is really hard. I yeah. Mean, with therapists. I mean, which is funny because like we're therapists, um, but I see a therapist doing something and I'm like, shit, I should have done that. Um, that's a good idea. Um, but <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah, it's a constant, uh, it's mental agility. You really have to kind of be very attuned to, to what you're thinking and what's coming up for you almost at all times these days. <laughs> You know, and it's, it's, I'm going to kind of take this almost off of the track of, of social media because I, I was, you were, as you were talking, I was thinking about 
the whole idea of skills and stuff. And, you know, Jess, so Jesse's a photographer and I'm essentially a writer. And those two, like I went to school for writing. I went to Emerson, you know, Emerson College, which is a really good journalism you are school. A writer. Not a you are a writer. Because you said I'm essentially a writer. It's like, no, uh, right. well, so I'll see. There's my there's my imposter syndrome <laughs> acting up. Well, I was gonna ask. So, so you know, I as I said, I went to school for it. You know, Jessie has done extensive education in her field, but sometimes I think that when we we land ourselves in these fields where you know anybody with a rap laptop can write, yeah. anybody well or think they can write, yeah. anybody with a camera thinks that they can take a picture. Sometimes I think that's also contributing, and and I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of fall into that same thing where maybe they're in a in a field where it seems like anybody can do this. That is even happening in my field. Like, well, you were seeing that with the Instagram, people are popping up, and oh yeah, I mean, they're the the coaching. Um, yes, um, that that wasn't a thing, like right. So, and, and I think with Instagram and this idea of like kind of really anyone can start a business, right? And and mm-hmm. you can do it on Instagram, and that can be a platform. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see a ton of individuals talking about trauma and like actually pretty heavy stuff. Um, that often don't have any credentials. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think that would be one of the big negative sides of, of that platform is that it kind of, anybody can do really anything on there and there's no, um, there's no, you know, restrictions or whatnot, right? Like I'm the, the board of psychology in California monitors what I do and manages my license and I could be taken to jail if I don't do certain things. Whereas like coaching, nobody's, nobody's managing that, um, or monitoring. So yeah, it's, it's across, I think it's across, um, all fields. And well, I think it adds to the stress of being a business owner and being able to confidently market your services when let's say the photographer down the street, you know, her photo, let's say her photos are just as good as yours. And she's just, she's charging pennies, you know? And I think, like Same that, like I, I don't get worried. I'm a, I'm like way beyond that. I'm like, to your point, I'm like in my lane, like I don't really like pay attention. I'm good with that. But I know there's a lot of photographers that I educate that have that fear, like, oh, a photographer just started, you know, brand photography business. And she's really worried that, you know, like she's only charging like $200 a session. And that can create a lot of anxiety and a lot of like, well, if she's only, how am I going to be able to charge a livable wage if she's only charging 200? And I think the key is, is, is focusing on building up that sense of self and that worth of your value and who you are and what you offer, because that is then going to radiate outward, right? So if you Mm -hmm. can charge 400 versus 200, you feel good about that. You feel solid because that is, that is what you're worth, right? You're probably worth much more than that. Um, but I think like as that energy, um, sort of gets more grounded within you, it, it, then it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter what the other people are doing that good for them. They're, they're focusing on a certain, you know, population maybe, but people are going to value, um, you know, you and your photos for 400 or whatever. Um, because they, they, they see that they feel that from you that right. So there's also this kind of, um, idea of like act as if, (laughs) right. Um, and there's a little bit of that in imposter syndrome, right? Like really kind of acting as if acting as if like, you, you feel that sense of confidence that, yeah, heck yeah, I charge 400 and, and that's, that's, that's of my value and, and whoever kind of, um, you know, sort of, I want the people that, that, um, see that too, to be my clients. Right. So mm-hmm. 
easier said than done. I do realize that. Um, but I think it's, it's more about kind of, you know, building up that self-worth and that confidence and that self-efficacy within, um, to help kind of continue to stay in that lane. Cause yeah, you could veer off all day long. Oh, I can just totally, I still haven't, I haven't pulled into my lane, I think yet. So, so now we know kind of what, what it is, how it happens. And you've kind of mentioned a little bit about how we can get back into that lane, but break it down for us. What are some actionable steps that people can start like taking today to kind of get out of this mindset? Well, okay. So I actually, maybe this is veering off slight a little bit, but I think this will be helpful to then kind of talk about sort of the how of what to do, but so there's, five, do. there's five types of imposter syndrome. According to this gal, Valerie Young, um, she has a book called the secret thoughts of successful women and she goes into detail. So she's been a re- uh, researcher. She's like an education, but um, d- does a lot of anecdotal research on imposter syndrome with women and her book is great, but she came up with these five types and I always have to look, so I always forget them, but there's the perfectionist, the superhero, the expert, the natural genius, and the soloist. So the perfectionist is kind of self-explanatory. This is the type where the imposter syndrome shows up in this way, um, where they're uh, never satisfied. They always feel like their work could be better. Um, They tend to fixate on flaws, that kind of thing, right? The superhero, this is someone that um, because they feel inadequate, they're compelled to push themselves to work as hard as possible, do all the things, know all the roles. Um, It's almost like their competency. And these are all based on how we view competency. So in order to feel competent, we have to be perfect. In order to feel competent, we have to do all the things as the superhero, that kind of thing. The expert, this is the person that feels competent, competent and worthy only when they feel like they know all the things, right? So as a therapist, this was mine where I'm like, I got to have all the trainings. I got to, I got to know all the skills and and know all the Mm -hmm. tools to feel competent and to feel worthy and not fraudulent. Then there's the natural genius, this individual, they set lofty goals and then they feel crushed when they don't succeed on the first time, right? So they should just know how to do this. Um, And then there's the soloist. So these people um, feel like in order to be competent, they have to do it on their own versus get help. So that person that's starting a business and instead of tapping somebody that's already doing that business, they're like, oh no, I, I, I need to do this on my own in order to feel like I actually like know what I'm doing. When in reality, we all tap. <laughs> we all ask questions to the people that know more. Um, so those are kind of the five types. And, and there's often rules that get created around these types. Like um, some examples are like, I should know everything in my field. I should get it right the first time. I should excel in everything I do. We're not consciously thinking these thoughts. These are often very subconscious that are often related to some sort of belief system that got formed probably way in childhood. Um, but I think what can be helpful is just understanding the first, the first thing I will say is understanding your experience, right? So how is that imposter related experience experience manifesting for you, right? Like what kind of thoughts are coming up, um, when you feel that, that imposter like feeling, um, what kind of behaviors, like how, how do you, um, do you overcompensate? Do you dive into trainings? Like maybe what type are you as it relates to the imposter syndrome? So I think it's becoming very, very aware of your personal experience can help bring sort of, um, that mindfulness and, and then that can kind of help leave space and room for shifts for shifts in behavior, shifts in thoughts, um, challenging what it is that you're thinking, that kind of thing. So um, yeah, awareness is key, like huge, huge, huge. Now you're a mom to two young ones. How are you 
I mean, obviously they haven't, you mentioned like rooting things deep in childhood, right? How are you kind of preventing, is it possible to prevent imposter, like imposter syndrome coming down the road? Like since the day they were born, uh, (laughs) all, so, so uh, kind of to step back is that we, we all have, uh, we tend to all have core beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. Positive core beliefs about the, about ourselves, about others in the world, and then negative core beliefs about ourselves, others in the world. These beliefs get get um, solidified in very different ways. Yes, some parenting. So I'll self-disclose my dad, um, loving man, but was very um, not good enough, right? Like, oh, you got an A minus? Well, why don't you get an A, right? Versus like, wow, you worked really hard, right? So it was constantly that kind of not enough, not enough, not enough. So I had a core belief because of more of my parental um, and environmental, you know, childhood, essentially, um, that I needed to be enough. Right. So that's just like a breeding ground for an imposter syndrome to, to be, you know, created later in life. So Mm -hmm. I have this idea, this structure in my mind that, okay, well, if I do this, then I'll get love, then I'll get seen, then I'll get heard, then I'll be accepted. Right. So it's, it's often a need that we have. Um, and then that belief sort of overcompensates, right? So it's not just childhood and granted our parents do the best they can with the skills that they have. Sometimes they don't even realize they're you know, putting in a little belief system, um, because they just do the best they can and they were raised a certain way as well. But sometimes it could be experiences, right? It could be experiences in school. It could be, um, um, teachers might say something, you know, and usually the, the core beliefs, the typical ones are, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Um, I'm unlovable. I'm flawed. Um, those are kind of the common ones. And often with imposter syndrome, you know, the work that I do, we tend to kind of dig deep and try to understand, okay, what belief is kind of maintaining this, this idea that you're a fraud. Um, so yeah, it belief systems, we tend to all have them, right? We, we don't really get out of life unscathed in a way. And I think they often can always be altered. Um, so I think even with my kids, like for instance, I might be overdoing it a little, but like, at the end of the, you know, when I put my little three-year-old um, to bed, we do this little, like, you know, I'll say you are, and he'll say lovable, you are good enough. Right. Like, so I'm like putting out those belief systems into his mind and he's probably going to have situations. I might, you know, infiltrate his mind. Um, but at least he's already having this idea that like, Oh wait, I am this, or I am that. Cause a lot of this stuff is under the surface. It's all subconscious. And usually that belief system is spouting up and then creating these different thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Um, so I think, you know, being able, you know, and that's why I think therapy can be very helpful. A little plug for therapy is that it can help sort of uncover maybe some of these subconscious, unconscious ways of thinking, being, um, and what's driving, um, some of that, um, just, uh, self-esteem or self-worth type of thing. Um, if that makes sense. No, totally. And I actually think I need to start using those mantras <laughs> myself. Yeah, we all do. We all do. I mean, I still work on it, right? And I'm a therapist, like talks about this all day long. And I still get into situations where that imposter syndrome, anytime anything's new is coming up, like when I did like my first podcast, I was like, what, who the hell am I? What do I know? Like, why do they want to talk to me? Like, you know, so, and it's, and it's again, that enoughness, like, oh, I don't, I'm not trained enough. I haven't done this long enough. And then I have to come in and sort of challenge that, right? With my inner bestie or whatever you want to call it 
to say like, wait, 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 like, yeah, you might not know enough and you're probably never going to know everything, but you do have something to offer. You do maybe know more than the person that didn't go to grad school for this. Right. So it's like, you almost have to, you have to come in with that realistic, that, that essentially the rational part of our brain to offset the emotional part of our brain. The emotional part of the brain is what is driving imposter syndrome along with the beliefs and things like that. So, um, so yeah. Mm. Well, your so, Instagram has been a big help to me. I'll tell you over the past several, several months that I, since I found you and I was like, this is, this is somebody we need to have on the show to talk about this. So mm-hmm. that being said, where can people find, find you on Instagram or your website and where can, and learn more about you? Yeah. So, um, Instagram, I always forget if there's a dot, I think there is. So it's Dr. Dr. Kelly Vincent. Um, and then my website is drkellyvincent.com. Um, so yeah, those would be the two primary places. Well, thank you so much. This Mm. has been really enlightening for us. Yeah. I'm very excited for this, this episode to get to our audience. I know it's helped me a little bit, a lot actually. So also too in on, on my Instagram, there's a highlight reel with all the imposter syndrome related content Mm -hmm. that hopefully that I've ever created. So that would be a good place just to kind of toggle through to get like the, the types that I mentioned, they're all in there. Um, so that's a good, you also have some courses. What, what falls yeah. under your courses or like your, any, any good freebies or courses that they you have? Free. Yeah. So if you go to there, the link in the bio, um, you can download, I think it's two different, um, free sort of like intro to, imposter oh. mm-hmm. yeah, those are really great. If you want to kind of amp it up and really start doing the deep dive and really start kind of like building that toolkit around it. There's a course as well. Um, uh, when you feel like a fraud, I think it's called. I should know my own course. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that could be a good one if you're like, okay, this has ruled my life. I I um, really struggle with this. I want to understand it more. I want to understand my experience. And then I want to understand what, what the heck to do about it. Yes, um, I do see that on your website. I'm on your website now. Actually, you have quite a few offers there. So all kind of yeah, anxiety doing the like a fraud. Boss. Anxiety is a big one for me. So I'll be on that one too. (laughs) (laughs) A big one for so many. You are not. It's only gotten more since the pandemic happened, I think. So it's, it's funny. I've, I've had it for a long time for before they even thought kids could have it. Like I look back and I've done the therapy thing and I realized I've had it since I was really young. And, and I know that just some people that I've talked about that I've tried to tell, like what anxiety does to me all of a sudden the pandemic happened and they were like, Oh, I get it. Like I get it. And you've been living with this your entire life. It's not fun. It's not fun. So I'll be definitely doing a deep dive on both of those with those freebies. So thank you so much. Dr. Yes, this Kelly. has been fantastic. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. So I actually had contacted, um, I saw an Instagram post from Dr. Kelly last, almost a year ago. Um, and I had reached out to her about coming on the podcast, but she was, you know, very busy as, you know, as we shared her credentials at the beginning of the show, she's very much in demand to talk about these kind of issues and um, has a great outlet for them. So then I contacted her again and she was actually right about to go on maternity leave. So I'm so thrilled we were finally able to make it happen mm-hmm. because I felt like I felt like she was talking about everything that I've gone through. I don't know about our listeners. I hope that something um, in what she had to say resonated with you. I think that she gave us some, you know, as she said, you're not able to 
rid yourself of imposter syndrome. It's always going to be there, just like with anxiety. Um, it's it's always going to be a constant, but being able to manage it. And I thought that she gave us some really easy ways to kind of, you know, I know this title, this is called combat imposter syndrome, but at least to help hold it at bay and realize that we are the real deal. And we be- we deserve all of the accolades that we're getting and we deserve to charge what we are worth. That's a big mm-hmm. one. And I know you talk about that a lot, Jesse, is, you know, and especially within, you know, your branding photography course and charging what you're worth worth. Um, and I think imposter syndrome gets away in the way a lot of that. It does. It does. I'm just going to say a big fat ditto to everything yeah. you said. <laughs> well, that's awesome. There yes. we go. So thank you so much for listening to cocktails and content creation. You can follow us on Instagram at cocktails and content creation, or you can email us cocktails and content creation at gmail.com. I'm Kate Andrews and you can follow me on Instagram at fashionably Kate and co. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman photos or at the brand photographer method. If you're looking to get into brand photography. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. Until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creating.